Welcome to the Love Your Life Project, a gentle guide to living a wholehearted, meaningful life. In these trying times, listen to stories, poems, musings, mystical wisdom to inspire you and to bring a little more light to your day. I'm Anna Ramana. again my dear friends and today I'd like to just pick up the thread from last week's episode which was about compassion there's one more little piece I'd like to share about that and it's a loose quote that I read loose because I don't have the exact quote but it's something like the person who needs the most love asks for it in the meanest of ways. The person who needs the most love asks for it in the meanest of ways. And of course, by that it's meant that the people who appear to do the most horrendous things or speak the most vile things, they're the ones who are most looking for love but hiding it under this masquerade of vitriol or aggression or whatever it is. And so perhaps they are the ones who most need our compassion. It doesn't mean we have to even forgive them or, you know, bring them into our lives, but to have a sense of of love, of maybe understanding for those people who who we are most likely to ostracize or who feel most ostracized and i know it's a work in progress for all of us really unless you happen to be buddha or ramana or a sage of some kind we're constantly being stretched if we're open, really, to to open the door of our heart even wider to those who don't fit into our way of seeing the world, people who don't behave in the way that we feel is appropriate or right. But wouldn't it be such a more loving, harmonious world if we could, if we could just open our hearts and fold them around those people who trigger us, those people who who really are needing and crying out for 
attention and underneath that love. So I could go on and on about this, but I'd like to just segue into self-compassion now. You know, the ways that we have negative thoughts about others, I'm guessing we have thousands more critical thoughts about ourselves. You know, that inner judge, that inner critic is always ready to pounce and pull us down. And I think that's just a beautiful practice to hold in love that part of you that automatically comes up with its judgments about about yourself, about your life, or whatever it is that we have issue with about ourselves. And speaking of that, I want to thank you, so many of you who reached out from my recent email when I said I'd had some challenging news to be with, and I felt your love and compassion, and it really meant the world to me. So last week I went to Reading, a town about an hour south of here, for the results of the MRI about my um, my foot, which hasn't been healing uh, properly, and was a bit shocked to see the surgeon, the orthopedic surgeon himself, come in, and um, he said it's extremely rare on an MRI to have osteoporosis show up in the foot and that he was very worried about it because he said if he were to do surgery he uses screws to fuse the bones together and he's felt the bones weren't strong enough to hold the screws so that basically leaves me screwed (laughs) I'm laughing now believe me I was not laughing at the time it was um it felt like kind of a life sentence um and it's been really a a process of allowing the raw um vulnerability to just come up and be held as much as as i can because one of the greatest joys here in life uh for me is to get out and hike and be out in nature um but at this stage, even going up the staircase or down a staircase, I need to have hiking poles. And it just put paid to dreams of, you know, being able to do that, uh, at least for now. And I, I know that anything is possible. Anything is possible at any time, as one Buddhist used for his mantra. And so I'm you know, not going into a defeatist attitude, but it definitely is incredibly um, disappointing, really heartbreaking news. And the gift in it is that it's really pushing me to remain here, right here in the present moment. To go into the future is just, yeah, it's just heartbreak. So I'm just staying with... um, staying with it and being as compassionate towards my own self, the feelings, the thoughts, the reactions that come and are felt and pass through. So it's, um, it's an interesting crossroads. 
um, I think the immobilization for so long um, over the past eight and a half months really has caused the decline in the bone density that definitely wasn't um, at a stage of osteoporosis before the fall. So it's another round of uh, humbling when I thought I was just starting to come out of um, this intense first half of the year. And, and really, you know, building bone again is a very complicated process, if it's even possible. Well, the medications have brutal side effects, and I'm not sure what will, um, what will happen, what this body will, will do. But right now, it's a wonderful invitation to just compassion for my own self and for the slowing down of the physical body when it still wants to be really active. And learning to just live with the pain and the, uh, the limp for now. You know, anything, like I said, can, can change. But it certainly gives me great compassion for those who, you know, who are paralyzed, who can't even do what I can do, who can't walk, uh, who are in wheelchairs and, and all kinds of other maladies and diseases. So there's something really um, connecting in having having a diagnosis that makes you stop in your tracks and really reevaluate everything, like even the solid ground that you thought you walked on. But I will pass along that if you are out there walking without a care, getting up out of bed with whatever your problems are, and you can just take a, go for a walk, how lucky how lucky you are. And I may have shared this before, but back in April when there was actually even more pain and difficulty in moving, I saw a headline in the New York Times and it said, there's no problem that can't be eased by taking a walk. And I read that and just burst into tears because... They weren't counting the people who couldn't do that. And it's really true. Just getting out and getting fresh air, it just clears the whole system. So I guess I go out into my garden and look up at the stars through the trees and take some deep breaths. Um, and it does make me much more conscious of what's right here. Like there's a little patch of sunlight um, where the trees are absent in the garden and there are some beautiful flowers growing and each day when I water them I really cherish relish the beauty and it does make me focus more more presently with what's here right here in the moment so I know there's gifts in everything and the entirety of this particular gift hasn't revealed itself yet but it is pushing me to greater levels of trust. And I do have trust in this whole 
podcast series is about loving your life through the challenges. So here I am being given a golden opportunity to attend my own lectures. (laughs) So I'll just leave you with a poem by the wonderful Mary Watala Traumer, um, who's had her own share of incredible difficulty. She lost a a son. And her poem is called Self-Compassion. And it has an, uh, an epigraph, I guess, an address at the top that says, with thank you to Joy Sharp. Self-Compassion. It's like the scent of rain after a month of drought. The way it rises up and fills the lungs and quiets the body and softens the mind. That's what it's like when, after grasping and spinning and reaching and clenching, at last, exhausted with my own fear, I lay my hand on my own heart and see through my thoughts and practice loving what is here beneath my palm. Practice loving what is here beneath my palm. This frightened woman and the life that lives through her. Not a single promise that she will be safe. But oh, as I press my hand into the beat of her anxious heart, I promise she will be loved. As I press my hand into the beat of her anxious heart, I promise she will be loved. As you will, my friends, as you are, you are so loved, so much more than you can even comprehend. So I leave you now with my love, and my compassion for whatever you may be dealing with. There's a quote I came across that I feel to be really powerful, and I'd like to pass it along to you. It asks, if someone were to ask you, if someone were to ask you, to name all the things you love. If someone were to ask you to name all the things you love, how long would it take for you to name yourself? If you were to name every single thing you love, every single person, how long do you think it would take for you to name, to include yourself? So something very, um, very interesting to contemplate, to consider. Maybe you would put yourself at top of the list, but I'd be surprised if that's the case. However, I do hope that you find yourself within that list, working your way over the lifetime to the top of the list. Because, of course, we all know that the hardest part for all of us is to love ourselves, 
And that includes having compassion, having understanding, tenderness towards our own sometimes fragile human heart, our own being, our own experience. And of course, the more we love ourselves, the more love we have to offer others, the more compassion we offer ourselves, the more we have to pass on. So I just want to share one more thing. I know I said I was leaving, but I do want to include this. You probably have seen in the news that the Irish singer Sinead O'Connor passed away recently. She was only 56. And she was quite a warrior queen, incredibly beautiful physically with an exquisite angelic voice. But even more than that, or in tandem with that, she had this rebel spirit. She considered herself a kind of punk. Uh, a rebel, really, but with really right intention. You know, she was the one really to speak out, to call the alarm on the abuse in the Catholic Church. And my God, she paid a price for it. Uh, People weren't ready to hear that back in the 90s, but certainly a decade or so after her what was called outburst when she tore up a picture of the Pope and saying that the church was the real enemy. She really suffered and got a lot of abuse for that. But what's so interesting to me is that she spoke quite openly, quite frankly, about the abuse she'd suffered from her mother in her early life. Uh, and how traumatized she'd been for that. And back in those days, there was very little support. You know, there's all kinds of therapy available now, but not then. And so Sinead had what I would call the mother wound, a mother wound. She never really got that mothering, that nurturing. And I think it haunted her her whole life. And I was reading a lot about her life just in the last couple of days because, you know, I'm always um, interested in the lives of Irish women, all women, but Irish women, of course, because it's my, because it's my inheritance too. And especially women who are vocal in the face of a, a very strong patriarchy, which the Catholic Church was uh, in that era. But just this evening when I was, actually I was swimming and a song of hers just kept floating through my head. I'd forgotten all about it. And I think she wrote it in a kind of gesture of self-compassion, compassion for her own self and what was missing in her early life. And it's called, This is to Mother You. And the lyrics are so poignant. This is to mother you, to comfort you and get you through, through when your nights are lonely, through when your dreams are only blue. This is to mother you. This is to be with you.
to hold you and to kiss you too. For when you need me, I will do what your own mother didn't do, which is to mother you. Oh, very, very poignant lyrics. And I feel like it can speak to all of us because we've all had a mother. And even if your mother was almost perfect, she was also human. And most likely there were gaps in the mothering that happened because of our humanity. It's part of being here and learning how to relate, how to be with ourselves, with others, with family. And so I feel like Sinead's song is this beautiful anthem of, of compassion and love that she sent out to the world because it's what she most needed. And that seems to be quite classic, uh, even if we're not conscious of it, that we offer out into the world what we most need ourselves. So if you happen to be in need of a, a little mothering, a little TLC, perhaps a, a compassionate gift for yourself would be to just close your eyes and listen to this song. It's available on many platforms. This is To Mother You by Sinead O'Connor. And now I will really say farewell for this week, for this episode, but not before I share one last poem with you. I just came across it this morning and I just had to add it because it's it's such a beautiful a beautiful notion and it's by the wonderful James Cruz and it's called Made Visible. Some days I wish our pain was visible. Some days I wish our pain was visible that our grief gave off a slight glimmer from the center of the chest so that as we walked down the street shifting a bag of olive oil and bread from one hand to the other every passerby might see a glow lifting off of us like moonlight on the surface of broken water and know to soften their eyes and whisper hello some days I wish our pain was visible so that as we walk down the street every passerby might see a glow lifting off of us like moonlight on the surface of broken water and know to soften their eyes and whisper hello what a beautiful vision how much more compassion we would have if we could feel our way into be guided, see even the pain, the suffering that others endure. But I feel even holding the feeling of love in our hearts for as many as possible is quite a great gift. So wishing you so much compassion starting with your very own heart and 
spreading outwards. So, farewell, my friends. Till next time.